Red pill moments, that's what we're talking about today. Today, Jerome Myers and I are diving deep into mindset on how to become the next best version of you, how to overcome some of those fears and all the obstacles that definitely will present themselves when you are trying to um, grow and learn. So if you feel like that you are stuck inside the box and you're just comfortable, but you're starting to see that there's this other world out there and you want to go chase after it and chase after those dreams, this episode is 100% for you. Jerome unpacks some um, really critical steps that you need to take, some thoughts and um, some really tender life experiences that I have no doubt will... Um, resonate with you and give you a whole new insight on, wow, life is such a gift. Live it well. Without ado. So Jerome, like you have, I, I want to go into how we met. Can I, okay. can I tell the story or should I hear how you tell, how do you remember? No, I want you to tell the story. I'm going to tell this story. This is the day, the first time that I ever went to any of Brian Briscoe's meetups or anything like that. And I finally had an opportunity. I was still teaching. I'm juggling, trying to get there. I literally walk out my back door, fall smack on my butt <laughs> As I'm giving an introduction, as I'm like talking to the group over on Zoom. And um, and this is like Brian's like, hell yeah, Julie, you're new. So tell us about your podcast, blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling about ask me how I know and you know, these stories just to help people prevent, you know, like you won't have to make these mistakes, or you can learn from their successes. Like this is the learning place, learn from others, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, who's the next person? Oh, this is Brian. Oh, that's a lot like Jerome's podcast, you know? And so next thing you know, you're up giving an introduction, you know, talking. And and that was like, I mean, I had seen you in the social spaces, but that was my first like, oh my gosh, this is my kindred spirit. <laughs> Tyler Chester called me his spirit animal. So I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> I didn't know that you felt that was not part of the story. I, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I did everything. I was still so new, new, new to the whole, like trying to get out there in the space that I, I just, you know, just, just move past it, Julie, just move past it. Don't draw attention. Like nothing happened. You know? <laughs> oh my God. It's funny. Oh now now I'm comfortable with everybody and I'm kind of like, well, this is me. So I fall. That happens. I'm clumsy sometimes. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I think we all are. So and whether it's physically or social settings, like we can be awkward. And I think people's inability to be okay with that is holding them back. Right? You said you fell, you moved on and went to the next space. But what if you decided that you were just going to stay there or that you weren't even going to try because that might happen? And that, I think right there, that fear is the prison. That is a construct that a lot of people are living in. Think about it. How many people say, oh, well, I don't want to be on social media because I don't know what to say or maybe nobody wants to hear what I have to say or I don't like the way I look on camera. I've heard everything. I don't like the way my voice sounds. Like, get over yourself and stop being selfish. 
and share with the world what you are here for, whatever that thing is. And really, uh, it, there's so much that we could unpack from that little story that you just shared. But I don't, I don't want to hijack the conversation and just go off the deep end because that's the type of mood I'm in on this beautiful Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You don't want to? That's crazy. Well, let's talk well, about... Go ahead. No, go. Well, I was going to say, let's talk about the level of self-acceptance and how did like a little bit about your journey and stuff, because here's the thing is that I, you know, like I totally agree with you, like people are living within the confines of this box. And recently I've been talking about the, I always talk about the proverbial box, but you know what? The proverbial box is really gorgeous inside. You know, it's like got comfortable couches. It's like got epic views. Like the box is, is just this construct that just holds everybody captivated and it's comfortable. And so they just never go out of it and they miss out so much on life. Is no growth in the box. It's like a goldfish and maybe it's not actually scientific, but if you put a goldfish in a small bowl, it won't grow anymore because it doesn't have any room to grow. You put in a bigger bowl, it's supposed to grow. At least that's what the folklore says. And so that box is the same thing. But the other thing that I do know is true is if you put a flower in a pot and it grows and there's no more for the roots to grow, then the flower stops growing in the size or the tree or the shrub or whatever you want to call it. And we as people, I think, are absolutely the same thing. And We've got to be willing to outgrow the box. You know, we've got to be willing to shed the skin as the snakes do. And if we want more, some of us decide who we're going to be as kids, and then we stay there for the rest of our lives. Like, what life are you living? The life that you decided when you were eight, right? When you had whatever experience and you decided that this is what I'm going to be, this is how I'm going to be? Or is it when you were 25 or 30 or 40 or 50 or however old you are, are you deciding on a daily basis that this is my life and this is how I'm going to live? And if you're not, why not? I think you're depriving the world if you don't. And it's okay to change your mind. You And this is the thing that really excites me about your story and your journey is you decided to change your mind. You And you didn't wait for other people to tell you it was okay. And if you did, it wasn't going to stop you if they didn't feel like it was okay. And that's the magic of it all. When you don't need somebody else's permission to do the thing that is in your heart to do, then you become unstoppable because you don't ask for permission anymore. You go do and live out the things that are placed uniquely in your heart, in your spirit for you to do. Why do you think, gosh, I love this. Why do you think people feel like they need permission? Because they taught that as kids, right? Like, I don't remember what grades you taught, but the little people in your classroom, the ones who you appreciated most, they were the ones who asked for permission to do the thing before they did it, right? Our parents want us to be controlled, and whether it's our parents or the people in school or whoever else, the people who stay in place and do as they're told are the ones that are easiest to take care of because they're not moving without us giving them permission to move and saying we're okay with it. And so we're programmed as little people that If I want affection, if I want to be taken care of, if I want to be rewarded, then I do what this other person says. And I don't think we actually mature from that 
as we get older. And so we get taught in college that we're meant to be workers. And then we go and work at a place and whoever is the leader of the place wants us to fall in line. And it's not until you end up in a space where you're a critical thinker and you need to challenge strategy and grow strategy and look around corners and there's not a system in place that that person who's willing to bang against the wall, I love Jurassic Park, right? And so the <laughs> Velociraptor used to hit against the electric <laughs> fence, right? He slam against the fence. And then eventually they found the weak spot, right? Yes. And when they found the weak spot, then they knew how to manipulate the system. It's no different than when I talk about exiting the matrix. I think everybody needs to find that weak spot. And then when it comes time for them to make their exit, they bang against the wall and then set themselves free. And then when they're in the wild, they have to have the discipline to continue to pursue whatever the North Star is. And what I've seen more frequently than not is they go out without the support that they need. And when they go out without the support they need, they end up in the desert, right? And there's not a whole bunch of water. It's not lush like the jungle where they could just walk around the corner or drink water off the leaves. And they get scared. So they turn around and they go back into the jungle and they never come back out. And so for the people who stay in the desert, they find the oasis. And that gets their whistle wet while they're making their long, arduous journey. And then eventually they make it to the other side to the promised land. And they experience a level of freedom that the people in the jungle will never understand because they weren't willing to cross the desert to get to the thing. And the desert is the work. Oh, my gosh. There is so that's so high level. There is there's so much meat in there and everything that you just said. I like that you said it in such like a really super basic way. I mean, it it's in depth, but it's like there's so much there. So like, let's talk about that person that has that epiphany, like I'm caught in the matrix. I use that same analogy and it came about during parenting with like, oh, they're testing us just like Jurassic Park, exact same thing, right? They're going to find the weak spot. We got to link arms and stay strong. Um, so the person, they, they've realized they have this epiphany. A listener's like, oh, wow, I'm living in this box. I need to upgrade. I need to step out of this box and see what is really out there. And now you have that desert or you have just all this open space and, and it's terrifying once you get out there. Okay. Let's go to yeah. swimming. I got to I got to change the analogy in mid motion to swimming, right? Yeah. I'm really yeah. comfortable swimming. I'm a pretty decent swimmer, but when I get out a certain distance from the shore, mm-hmm. I start to get a little nervous and I'm like, Oh crap. <laughs> Am I going to be okay? Do I actually have a stamina endurance to like, make it out to this destination and then swim back? Like, can I do this? And, Mm -hmm. and so you get that little fear and then I push past it. So that person listening right now, they're having that epiphany. They're like, okay, I, and, or maybe they've just left the comfort zone. They're out halfway and they're like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? And they're having the pan, the first, because we know they're going to be a whole bunch (laughs) having their first panic attack. What do you tell them? Look for your lifeguard, period, right? Like if you've never done it and you're going to go do it by yourself, it's absolutely terrifying. But what if there's a seasoned swimmer out there who's done whatever you're trying to do or has helped other people do what you're trying to do? You look at them and figure out whether or not you're supposed to panic. And this is a perfect analogy. And since you have kids, you can relate. When your baby started walking, and they fell the first time, 
if you screamed and yelled and did a bunch of other stuff, it took them a while before they got up again. If you acted like nothing was wrong, like they weren't hurt, they weren't crying, then they got up and everything was okay. It was normal. And they continued to try to learn how to walk. Well, it's the same thing here. The person who hasn't been through it before is looking to the guide and the guide is saying, oh yeah, that's normal. Don't worry about it. Keep going. They're like, oh, okay. Or, hey, I know you're a little bit tired right now. Take a little bit of break. Here's some water. All right. Now we're going to get back to it in a little bit, but just take a little break. That right there is the thing that I think keeps people going to the next level and the next level instead of retreating and going back because, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take or I don't know if I'm actually cut out for it. I don't know if I did the pre-work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those things for me are the ones where I, I struggle. And 2020 was a great example for that. I have never run more than maybe a mile and a half as a person, like my entire life. And then I started running in 2020. And I'll never forget the phone call I got from my buddy James. And he said, man, I just finished running four and a half miles. Don't you ever tell me you can't do something again. And so that day, I put on my shoes and I went and I ran four miles. And I was like, oh, I can do this. I just didn't know that I could do it. And then the next day I ran six and I've been running six, five to six days a week ever since that point. And the thing that I learned from that episode was this. I'm leaving so much on the table because when I hit up against the thing where it feels uncomfortable or I think I shouldn't do it or I'm scared I'm going to be hurting after the fact, I could go so much further. I just have to put my mind to it. And then eventually you hit the steady state where it's just like, okay, well, it's just repetition. Just keep going. Just keep swinging your arms and moving your feet. Swing your arms, move your feet. And then eventually you just go into this very Zen place that I can't describe to people who've never been there. It's like, oh, well, I could do this for an hour or two or three. And that's how like the ultra marathoners and all these other folks, they, they found this place where you just, your body does what your mind tells it to do instead of the other way around. Your body will send you a signal and say, hey, I'm tired. I need to conserve energy. I need to shut things down. Don't listen to that. Your mind's in control, not your body. Your mind tells your body what to do. You control your thoughts, and then your thoughts will tell your body what to do. And I think that right there will free so many people. And I've never shared that on anybody's podcast. So this is a Ask Me How I Know exclusive. There you go. But there's so much truth to that of our mind and and we don't give our mind enough credit and we don't empower our mind enough because our mind, when we empower our mind to make some of these, you know, end of the line decisions, like, no, no, no body, you're going to go. I was bench pressing, which this is like, I have to totally put a picture of this up because I think everybody would be laughing because it's like no weight basically, but it's a big deal for me. And, and I'm proud of it. So it's fine. I trust me. I don't mind. It's, it's good for me, but you know, when you're doing that, you have to push your, I I have to push myself. Strength training was never part. I was always the just cardio endurance, all of that. So you and I, I think are having like maybe flip flopped lives. (laughs) And so like on the strength training side of it, it's also pushing through in like, oh my gosh, the bar is down here. And I'm going to like, okay, what? And I'll tell myself, 
one more rep. You've got it. Get it. Go for it. Like yeah. I just sit yeah. there and I just preach it to myself. <laughs> you know, the mind is so think, powerful. I think you need both, and I, I really appreciate you bringing that up because. I was talking to my mentor the other day and I was like, like, you're so successful. He's like, lately I haven't been feeling that way. And he's trying to go to a level that I can't even count to like <laughs> G500 level, like jet, first private jet level. Right. And I was like, well, you got to think about it. Right. Cause he used to play football. He said, I said, look, man, when you're on the bench and you put more weight on the bar, sometimes you struggle. Sometimes it's hard. Right. Sometimes you need a little bit of a spot. And sure, you could put on the weight that you've already put on and lift it before and do it with confidence. But when you go up to that next level, there's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some pain. But that's how you know that you're actually growing. And, you know, I don't think anybody should laugh at somebody who's lifting the bar because there's people who can't lift that. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all in you being better than the person that you were the day before. Doesn't matter how much you can live versus somebody else is you versus you. And I think when we get out of that mindset of we're competing with this person and that person, and that's why I hate door count in multifamily investing. Right? <laughs> like a, it is, well, I've got a billion dollars in assets under management and I've got um, 10,000 doors. That's great. But what does it actually mean? Right? Like how much of it do you own if you're a syndicator? <laughs> Bam. Thank are, you. <laughs> Are you are you creating the cash flow that you want to create? And if you aren't, then do you have a plan to get there? And if you can lay all those things out and it works for you, great. But at the end of the day, enough is enough, right? Like if you can figure out what your enough point is, then get to the enough point and then go do the next thing. And I think we can be in this perpetual motion of, oh, well, he did five deals last year and I didn't do any. So I'm inferior. I'm not enough. You did what you were supposed to do based on the amount of work that you did. And if you didn't do the work to get the thing done, then it didn't happen. But at the end of the day, what that other person did had absolutely nothing to do with you. And so just focus on what you want, get clear about what that is, and then just have laser focus against executing the plan that's going to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And I think your life just changes dramatically. I, I know I used to look around every now and again because I was confused because I was listening to podcasts and everybody was doing well, right? And this is how our podcasts are so similar. And I, I was making mistakes. I was confused. I, I couldn't get it. I was like, why is everybody making money on every deal and the construction projects are going exactly as they're planned? And I got these challenges and... What I found out was when the recordings went off and I talked to those same operators, well, they had their challenges, just like COVID, right? We've had a property that isn't doing great, right? We we lost a lot of money from my perspective last year in revenue from delinquencies. Will we get some of it back? Yeah, do some people move out in the middle of the night and we won't ever see those dollars again? Absolutely. And so for everybody who get on podcasts and say, hey, I could have went to sleep in March and woke up in September and not see any difference in my income. I just know that it's not real because when I talk to people and it's not recording, they say, man, yeah, well, we're down 10% in revenue or we're down 20%. And I saw one property that I tried to buy in the fall of last year where they collected 50% of the gross potential rent in 2020, right? So I know for a fact 
that everybody isn't collecting all their rent. Now, do I have some properties where we're collecting all our rent? Absolutely. But do I have at least one that isn't doing what I wanted to do? I do. And I'm not scared to say that because I know other people are not being honest. <laughs> isn't it so funny? And I always wonder, I think you and I are alike on this, this sentiment of the freedom comes in speaking truth. The freedom doesn't come in like trying to have this facade that is just, you know, Wizard of Oz-ish. Like you're not the great yeah. Oz. You're not fooling anybody. We can all see past the curtain. Like, just be honest about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the people who actually know, you're not fooling them. And so you can fool the people who know less than you, but the people who know more than you can see you. And that is the part where you have to be careful because most of the time when you're trying to go to the next level, you're pretending to be something that you're not. And because you're inauthentic, that person who can help you move to the next level isn't going to engage with you. <laughs> Julie and I were talking about friends and acquaintances before we started this actual show. And I don't know if it's going to make it into the show, that piece of the banter. But what I will tell you is if you're not an authentic person and I can help you, I can guarantee you I won't. <laughs> I won't lie. I was in a um, a clubhouse room recently and you can just tell it's a new, it's, it's still a new platform to me and I haven't spent much time there. And I'm just trying to like, what, what's this all about type thing, right? All this to say that this person moderating, I was just saying, why would I, I would never feel comfortable going to you to ask you for help, to ask you for assistance, to invest with you. Cause I'm going to have a bunch of dumb questions. Not really. I won't, but I'm going to, I'll feel like I do. I'm going to just, there's such this chasm that people can create because they want to sound like so much more than they are that they're alienating themselves from the very people I think they want to help, mm -hmm. which is really unfortunate. And then like you're saying, they alienate themselves from, like they're just going to be stuck. <laughs> they're isolated. And it's funny because we had a conversation like this about this in our book club. And I said, is the goal to sound smart? Oh my because somebody was saying, oh, yeah, well, you got to use these words. And I was like, but how is that helping? Like being being credible or being an expert doesn't mean that you have to speak over people to show them how smart you are. Right. The ability to be able to break down a complicated idea to something very simple so that somebody can digest it and then take and implement against whatever problems that they have is what I think makes you an expert and a thought leader. Anything else just leaves you out there in this academic exercise that nobody actually values. And so for me, the goal all the time is to make people feel comfortable so that they'll open up. And when they open up, then they'll share the actual problem that they're working through or working on. And that's when you can actually engage and help them. If you pretend to be in a space that you're not in and there's somebody who can help you and they aren't paying close enough attention to see that you're not actually being honest with them, then how on earth, if you want help, can you actually get the help if nobody knows that you need the help? And I, I live in a world of abundance where there are a lot of people who do want to help, but they can only help if they know that they that you need the help. Okay, that is such a perfect segue to go like, back to our person that just left the matrix, and they're in the desert. How do they even find that lifeguard? Because for some people, they're leaving 
every thought behind they're the first person, the black sheep. <laughs> to, yeah. So yeah, how, yeah. how do they find that person that they, they can actually trust that can lead them further? Yeah. And so emphasis on the word trust, because there's a lot of people who sell snake oil. I think oh, yeah. the first thing is they, they need the heart of a teacher, right? Like if they don't actually care what your problem is and the whole problem, not the one problem, you can go to somebody for, hey, I, I want to buy real estate. And this is the thing that I experience most when I meet people on their journey. I, I want to buy an apartment. Okay, that's awesome. Let's talk about all these other things, right? And so for those of you who don't know, the red pill is six layers. It starts with self-image, then relationships, work, health, prosperity, and significance. Apartment buildings fall in prosperity, which is level five, right? If you don't have the other four layers of the red pill together before you add the apartment on top, you put the apartment on quicksand and it will crush you, right? So if you have poor health, then it's going to go down because the stress associated with running a business, being an entrepreneur, can be really taxing, okay? If you haven't figured out your work, however, what other sources of income you may have, then that's going to compound. And so if I break down the first three levels of the red pill, it's where all your stress comes from, your self-image, your relationships, and your work. Those things create all of the stress. And I'm waiting for somebody to tell me, Jerome, you're absolutely wrong, but I think they're, they're the only sources. So look, with the self-image, can you keep promises to yourself? If you can keep promises to yourself, then it makes you attract people to you because you're dependable, loyal, accountable, and all of those things will attract high energy people to you who are doing things at a high level. That changes the level of relationships that you have. Some are really deep, some are broad, but what you're looking for is ones that are mutual benefit, right? And so what can you provide to other people? What can they provide to you? For the folks that I end up talking to most, they're typically apex performers, right? They do things at a really high level, even if they're making a transition. And the majority of the people in their world are coming to them for support, right? They're coming to them to get answers. And when they look to other people to find answers, there's nobody really around. So they feel isolated. And those people who are only coming to take from them, I, I, it's like having a bank account or a bucket with a hole in it, right? It just keeps dripping out but there's nothing pouring in the top. And so we work to reframe those relationships, get those steady and situated. That changes your work because now, because you have that self-image, that self-esteem and the strong relationships around you, you can do work that is aligned with your stated values and beliefs. I think a lot of people end up being drained because they're forced to do things that they aren't passionate about. And often it asks them to compromise their integrity. So then the next level, because you fix those three, right, the stressors, is health. And so what are you doing, you know, mentally, physically to make sure that you're in great shape so that you can handle the peak performance? When you have that stuff figured out, then you want to talk about the prosperity and apartments and wealth building and generational wealth and all that other amazing stuff that people sell you on so that you write a big check to them. And then the final thing is, well, you have abundance, you have overflow, you give and you make a positive impact in others. And a lot of it is really just you sharing the stuff that you learned, becoming the person you needed to become in order to create the prosperity. And so if I bring it all the way back to the question that you asked, Julie, which is, well, how do you find somebody who can guide you? 
You want to find somebody who cares about you as a person, not about the check that you can write. You as a person, all the way down to your self-image, right? And then where are you trying to go? And have they been there? Not kind of been there. Can they talk to you about the stuff that didn't go right? Because if they're perfect and you're not, how is that going to work? You're never going to get there. And you know that you're not. And I can tell you that nobody else is. But there's some people who pretend to be perfect and everything to always work. It's not real. And so if they can't be that authentic, transparent, or truthful with you, then how can you actually look in the mirror? Because you're comparing yourself against this expectation that isn't actually achievable. And so look for authenticity. Look for people who are willing to talk to you about the lessons that they've learned along the way, the mistakes they've made or mistakes that they've seen others make. And then I think the final thing is you just want to know, do they want all your money up front with the promise that you'll get something on the back end? Or are they willing to show you that they have value and they can actually make an impact for you? And you can learn and deepen the relationship as you go. Um, we often want, we've got these lofty goals, dreams, and expectations, and we don't want to do any of the pre-work to get ready for that. Nothing that you want that you don't have is achievable as a person that you are. You have to move to that new person in order to have those things. And that for me, if somebody's not willing to tell you that there's going to be work, it's not going to work out perfectly. I don't know exactly how this is going to go for you, but this is what I see and expect. And somebody who isn't interested in being on the journey with you, they want to be a travel agent instead of a tour guide. Oh, I love that. (laughs) You want the tour guide. We always want tour guides. We want them in the corner because back to when you're in the water, right? If you're in the water and you're looking for the lifeguard and they're on the boat and they're just waving at you. You don't know if they're waving to tell you there's a shark or they're waving to say, hey, you're doing a good job. All you hey, see swim is and get me there. another Mai Tai. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have no idea. So, you know, at the you want the person who's willing to roll up their sleeve, get their hands dirty, get a little stuff under their fingernails. Sure, they'll go wash up and get cleaned up later. But you got to know that they're watching your sex when you're in the middle of the battle. I love that so much. I know that you've explained that at different points or I've, I've heard different pieces of this, but I haven't ever heard the whole package all at once. So I feel like this is like, you know, it's just an amazing moment for me. You know, something that you said so many things that were amazing um, as you're describing this, but one thing that stood out to me is that being um essentially being true to yourself, being trustworthy to yourself, that highest level of like, do you keep your promises to yourself? Like Mm -hmm. that's really, really powerful. Um, what do you, how, how common do you think that is that people actually keep that? For a lot of people is not really that common and that's why they have low self-esteem, right? So they are, because they don't believe in themselves because they can't count on themselves. They end up in a spot where it's like, Oh, well, I guess I can't count on anybody else. And so the level of expectation just continues to dwindle into the place where there is no accountability, right? And so for those people that I know that perform at the highest levels, they don't need anybody else to tell them what needs to be done or what should be done. 
because they already know and they're going to do it. And if they don't do it, they're going to have a really good reason why they didn't. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who've been taught, oh, well, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. And so I, you may not have heard this story because I don't tell it very often. This is how I figured out this whole thing about being impeccable with your word. And it's a sad story, but it's a true story. So in middle school, I used to go to high school football games with my mom on Friday nights because she was cool and she wanted to expose me to things that I could look forward to because, you know, I had the dream of playing on Friday nights. And so on this particular Friday, I told my friend Jarrell at school, it's like, hey, man, we're going to go to the game at E. Smith. I'll call you before we go and maybe my mom and me can pick you up and you can go with us. He's like, yeah, okay, cool. And so time for the game came. I was doing something else. I was probably doing homework or something else and I forgot. And so I got in a car with my mom and we left and went to the game. Well, on Saturday morning, I got a phone call and it said, did you hear what happened to Jarrell? And I said, no, what do you mean? And they said, he's dead. I said, what? And, I mean, he was my teammate. We were 13. And he said, yeah, um, something happened last night. And so, of course, I'm floored. I'm like, what? we just were at school today. And so time passes. And... It turns out that that night they were, he was playing a drinking game and they had a pistol and they played Russian roulette and he lost. And I live with the fact that I didn't call him and ask him to come to a game with me on that night. And so when I think about it now, if I don't keep my word, somebody dies. Did I pull the trigger? Did I play the game? Did I do any of that stuff? I didn't. Could he have still done that after the game? Absolutely. But I didn't do my part, right? And so for other people, they think, oh, yeah, well, I'm not going to do whatever I told Julia said I was going to do. She'll understand. She's a good person. She'll give me grace, right? But for me, it's a whole lot bigger than that, right? It is, somebody could die if I don't do the thing I'm supposed to do. And what do you do with that? Especially when you're 13, right? And So what, like, what do you do with that? Like, how did that, that's a really, it's a very, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that that happened. Um, that's really, that's a lot. That's those are already like serious years of formation in our lives. And um, how did you uh, how did you unpack that so that you could? It seems like at this point, if this is years later, you know, you've leveraged that for good, and yeah. you've used that. Were you able to do that right away? Did you have support around you that helped you frame that? Yeah. Or so. Did I have support? I mean, my mom was always there, right? Like, I, I never thought of, oh, well, I didn't have the support or I'm confused or any of that stuff. Um, I was like, mom, I'm getting a tattoo with his RIP and his initials. And she was like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to do that. But what I will do is get you an ID bracelet and you can think about them. 
whenever you put the bracelet on. And I was like, oh, okay, well, if that's what you're okay with. And so, you know, how I processed it was every game, I would get a green Visa Visa marker because I couldn't go get a tattoo and I'd make a tattoo, right? And it was just like, okay, well, we're doing this for him because he's not here anymore. I I didn't really get it though. Like, I mean, death is so final, right? And it's in some ways I felt like it was my fault because I didn't do what I said I was going to do. And so there was this, this extreme commitment to whatever I said I was going to do, whatever I promised to come and follow through on that. And I think it was probably extreme ownership before Jocko made it cool, right? And at the end of the day, what it does though is it gives you the actual power to make a change. When you're a victim, it happened to you and you can't do anything about it. Somebody has to come fix it for you. And for me, it immediately went to, okay, well, I'm gonna make sure that never happens again. And here are the things that I can control. And I'm just gonna drive hard against that. And now that I have the breath in my lungs and I'm still here, I gotta make the most of it. And it's crazy because another one of my teammates, one in college and then one when I was out in the workforce, like they died too. And so one was in a, he was murdered in a club in college, but my friend Hambone from high school, like we led the team out. Like we were co-captains for the team. We would lead the team onto the field and his brother died and he died like three weeks later. And some people say he died from a broken heart. But it was like that death for me was like, you got to make sure that like, these were all good people. You have to make sure that you're living out the best life that you can with the time that you have, because tomorrow could not be here. And that was real. Because, I mean, these were people who I was with, like, right before things happened. It's such a, it's like, it's an absolute game changer with, uh, I've experienced miscarriages and I, in my, like, I would say my healthy dad just drops dead. Like, you know, you can't, nothing can compare, can prepare you for how sudden and final death is. But just like you're saying, like you have this amazing opportunity that every day I am grateful for like the breath of life. Like, okay, I'm, I'm alive. And I've probably had to cool my jets a bit because it's like, I so, so intense for, for a while of like, I have to make the most of every day. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't an erotic, like I'm scared of death. It was like, oh my gosh, I have the gift of life. I have to do something really great with this. (laughs) As we should, right. I mean, we should treat it as the gift that it is. And I think so many people just take it for granted. They're like, oh yeah. Well, I'm supposed to be here and all this stuff. You're delusional. Like, you're absolutely delusional. And hopefully, if COVID didn't do anything, it made people understand what's really important and that it can end really quickly if you're not taking care of yourself. And so a a refocus on health and uh, spending time with those you really care about. Yeah, that is is amazing. And as you push through, I'm just saying... I have, I've been reading the obstacle is the way I'm sure you've, have you read that Ryan holiday? 
fantastic book. I should drop a link in the comments is what I should do. Um, but literally this morning I was reading about the, you know, mortality, like <laughs> death is final. He has this one section in there and, and it really, it's such a, I think everyone needs to be reminded of that sober reminder. If like, you're just a blip on the timeline of history, like make it count. And what for you, um, I'd love to hear how that freed you to maybe push harder into dreams or into your pursuits. Yeah. So I still remember driving down to Hambone's funeral. I funeral was at 11. I think I left home at four, maybe five. I got there around eight and it was three hours early and it was in my hometown. And so I'm like, I get to the church. I'm like, well, what am I going to do for three hours? And then I thought to myself, like, why am I here? Because literally I hadn't talked to him in 12 years. The day we, the last day, like graduation, I don't know how quickly he went off to the military, but after graduation, we hadn't talked. Right. And so I was like, is this about me or is it about him? And I had been in a really dark place a couple of years prior and was still working myself out of it. And so this was the reminder that, hey, like you better do something with this. And so I went back home and told my ex-wife, like, we can be miserable if you want to, but I'm not going to be miserable. And so like, we can make a change or we can't, but I'm going to make a change, right? And so we can do this as a unit or not. And that was kind of step one. And I waited and prodded and poked and tried to get things to happen. And they didn't have the way I wanted them to. So eventually that relationship ended. But the thing that for me was transformational was the courage to say, we're in this together, but if you don't want to move to this next space, then I have to go alone. And I think that for a lot of people is the biggest fear, especially when somebody has been a part of your entire adult life. It's like, oh, well, I got to go back to zero. I got to start over. And when you're willing to give up everything that you are for everything you are to become, that's when the magic happens. Because now you're not a captive to anything. And then you can actually begin to grow. If you have to have this or that, and you've got these boxes and these confines and these restrictions, then I'm not convinced that you can actually live the thing full out, especially if it requires a transformation or a radical change. Sometimes we can evolve, we can tweak, we can adjust because a lot of the things are right. But there's a lot of people who are listening to the podcast right now who knows that it's not right. They're asking the question, and I think this is a magical question. Is this it? Is this really what I'm here for? And when you start asking that question, you better watch out. Because if you actually pull the thread and you find out how deep the rabbit hole goes, you might not be able to come back out. And that's what happened to me. I fell down a rabbit hole and I don't ever plan to come back out. Like, because the level of freedom that happens when you're willing to accept that is life changing. And it changes not just your life, but everybody that's surrounding you. 
because you begin to radiate and beam out this energy that everybody who is seeking can see. You become this lighthouse. And the worst thing you can do is dim your light because there are people who are seeking you. If you turn out the light, how will they ever find you? Instead, they end up crashing into the shore, right? It's, it's so, so true. Keep going. No. I, just, <laughs> I will finish the, the, the metaphor with who's going to keep watch, right? If you're not on duty, if you're not on guard, who is? And how can you be so nonchalant about that duty. It's such an important duty. And, um, and you can help people at, at either end of the spectrum as well. Like you don't have to be on the other side of everything in order to help other people. And like you're saying, like if you're a lighthouse and you're radiating, um, I, I feel like there's just so many people just walking around. I call them just shells of human beings where they have this gift, this, this potential within them and it wants to come out. It's a gift that they get to give to the world and they want it like, but they, they don't want to take, they don't want to go. They don't want to go down the rabbit hole. They don't want to undo the thread because it's uncomfortable. It's terrifying. What if people don't like me? What if I get rejected? You know, we're so focused on ourselves and our worth is coming from the people around us. They don't even care. We're letting all these people around us. Most people are letting people around them dictate their lives. It's like, wait, it's your life. Like, like go down the rabbit hole. And if you're around somebody that's radiating and it's shining on you and it's like, almost like it's making something glow within you. It's like, it wants to come out. Like, just let it out. (laughs) I think you have to be comfortable enough to let it out. And I don't think you have to be fully out because you're still ahead of them, right? If you are driving from North Carolina to California and you're still in North Carolina, but you're ahead of the person who already left, you can tell them about the curves in the mountain. You can tell them about the fog. You can tell them about the rainstorm that they're getting ready to drive in. Shoot, if you're on the same highway in the same city and you pass a traffic jam and they are coming down the same road as you, you can tell them, hey, don't come down this road, go down another one. And that right there can absolutely change the trajectory of somebody's life. But instead, you know, we, we want to keep it hidden. We want to keep it secure because we don't want people to think that we don't have it all together. It's okay that you don't have it all together. I don't think you'll ever have everything all together. And so when I meet somebody and we talk about the red pill, I don't care who they are. They don't have all six areas completely the way they want them to be. And if they do, they might as well be dead because it's already done. You've got to have some, there's some work to do. There's some progress to make. And it's easy for us to pretend like, oh yeah, all this is amazing. This is awesome. Not everything is working out the way you thought it was going to work out. Some stuff's taking longer than you wanted to. Other stuff costs more money than you expected it to. That's okay. It is. It's part of it. The process is so convoluted, but every part of the process is essential to like to making you you. It leaves all the little smudges and fingerprints of an artist just sculpting and working away and there's some sanding, you know, some of it gets buffed out and polished, but the stuff that's to come is still all like being formed and, it, and it's good. 
Yeah, it, it is good. And I mean, I, I'll take your metaphor and turn it into a real thing. Like you have to become a new person, right? Like you have to leave parts of that old person behind to become the new person. There's but so much room in your closet and you got to take some stuff out of the closet, put some new stuff in, even though we like to just take everything with us. It doesn't work that way. No hoarding, no hoarding in life at all. But it is so funny that we think that we we need to somehow hold on to the old person. And and I, I've really embraced over the last few years of if I want to change, because I used to get some heat for, for this. It'd be like, well, you just changed basically. Well, I just discovered something else and it changed my life. Like I don't want to be that anymore, or I don't want to let keep that part. Like it's okay. But that's not normal in our culture. It's like, well, you should just be the steady. Why should we be that? Actually, no, we should see more people making some dramatic changes because it's like, as soon as you know something isn't working and it's broke or there's a better way to become the better version of yourself, boom, done. No hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to the, you know, when did you decide who you were going to be? When you were 8, 20, 25, 30, 50. You get to pick that every single day and you don't owe anybody anything other than, hey, yeah, I, that's not me anymore. That's not what I'm about. That's not what I do. And then once you communicate that and actually honor it, then the other person gets to make a decision too with how they're going to interact with you. The thing that I think most people misunderstand is we treat the world, we teach the world how to treat us. And that is mostly how we treat ourselves. And that's why I tell people, you got to take the red pill. It starts within and then it comes out. And so everything that you're experiencing is a reflection of what you're doing on the inside. And people don't like that because they don't want to change. They want the world to change. Your world won't change until you change. I promise. I tried it the other way. (laughs) Ask him, ask Jerome how he knows. (laughs) Jerome, I could seriously, I could talk um, for hours with you because, you know, I like a depth of conversation and I really value uh, your insights on everything. Um, And I appreciate we've dabbled a little bit into multifamily, but we've, I, I'm going to throw this out there as a mindset episode, because this is that shift so many people need to make. If someone is listening right now and um, they're curious about the red pill, where can they go? I can't get it at any CVS, I promise. (laughs) They should go to jeromemyers.co and they can pick their own journey. We we buy real estate. We've got a a real estate education company and we do peak performance coaching with apex performers. And so if you're somebody who is playing at a really high level, but you don't really have a whole lot of network that you can connect with and engage with, I'd love to have a conversation with you and just see if there's something that we can do to help you on your journey, whether it's coaching or something else. Even if it's just to share your story because you're doing something amazing, we we enjoy that type of opportunity and we love meeting other people who are actually dream catchers. I think a lot of people talk about going after these things and they never actually finish. They never actually accomplish the thing. They just talk about it. So they're dream chasers. I like dream catchers. I like people who set the goal and then they go get it. And then they show other people how they did it. Because usually those who are able to finish things, they have the clues that success leaves behind and they can condense the process for somebody else. Because there's somebody else that's watching and needing the guidance that you have to offer. 
there is always somebody else watching you. And that's it. You know, we, we think that, oh, just because we're on, you know, some social media platform, those are the only people that are seeing us. No, actually there are people in your everyday life that you don't even know that are tracking your steps <laughs> and that, and make that, make that an excellent thing to be tracking. <laughs> So check out, I'm, I'm going to suggest that everybody checks out um, Dream Catcher's podcast that Jerome, I can't believe you have two, you have like three podcasts now because you have Dream Catchers and then you have Myers Missteps, right? Did I say that right? Multifamily Missteps. Multifamily Okay. And then you have with Logan, you have Compression. Yeah. Thank you so much for supporting that. I thing. love, I-, I love Compression. <laughs> I love all yeah. of them, but I like the dynamic between the two of you and the topic. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool when, you know, we named that podcast on LinkedIn in front of everybody as Logan started talking about, hey, I, I want to capture this journey and just kind of going through the different posts in the comments and it's like, well, we're compressing time. And it's like, what? And we're compressing effort and like, what? We're comp- it's compression. And then when we made it with Tim Grover's thing, where he had the three C's, the cooler, the cleaner, and the closer, he's talking about people who are doing things at a really high level to be able to put compressor over top of that as a person who doesn't just do one thing well, but they do the full picture well. And so it's a really exciting endeavor. And, you know, we're already making really good progress. I think we're ahead of schedule. So I think Logan will absolutely hit the 10 million before or a hundred million before the year's over. I think it's, it's amazing. And one of the, one of my favorite things is just what you bring to the table. You're, you're as a, as a person, you're just this solid anchor of just this calm, like, but what about, <laughs> and you, you know, you, you ask those questions and you've done this to me and I appreciate it because there are certain personalities and people who um, play at a high level. Not many people are willing to challenge them or to say, Oh really? What about that? You know? And I love it because you do it in a gentle way. It's not like you're trying to poke a hole or poke a flaw or something, but you really want to have, it's like very thoughtful. Like, have you really considered this? Like really, why, what's the thinking behind this? How is this really going to play out? And so, you know, you drive people to a whole nother level just by nature of asking really helpful questions um, when uh, most people won't. So you're the sweetest thing in the world. Thank you, Julie. I, I believe that there's one law, right? The law is love. And as long as you can handle people in love, I think you can have an amazing experience I think you can really positively impact the lives of a ton of people. And so I I try to live that out. And as long as people are thoughtful and caring when they're dealing with me, it's very easy for me to give that back to them, right? Back to the mirror. Stuff that's in you comes out. I love it. All right. Best place for everybody to connect with you. Yeah. So I think LinkedIn is going to be the place. If you want to see me on a daily basis, you can come hang out with me on LinkedIn and yeah, just grab the website and pick your journey, JeromeMyers.co. Love it. Jerome, thank you. And I have to everybody listening, um, go check out Jerome's site. And if any of this is just stirring something within you, don't let that stop. Pursue it. Chase after it because there is this life of your dream and there is this freedom that you have yet to experience 
where it's the difference in Wizard of Oz. I always go back to that analogy. I love the movie. But, you know, it's the difference between black and white and color. So if you want to live a colorful world, like don't stop that momentum and that feeling. Chase after it. Go talk to Jerome and, um, you know, connect up. Love it. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. Amazing. Jerome, thank you so much. I, I appreciate your time. Hey guys, welcome back to ask me how I know. Wait, Natalie, sorry. Cut that. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Ask Me How I Know. This episode was brought to you by Three Keys Investments. They are dedicated to helping people like you. Yeah, you, my awesome listeners, develop passive income and legacy wealth through multifamily investing. Feel free to check out their website, threekeysinvestments.com to see if there is an offering that will help your portfolio grow and meet all of your needs. If you haven't already rated, reviewed, subscribed, liked all of those bells and whistles, I would be absolutely honored if you would do that for Ask Me How I Know. Thanks again and go make it a great day.